It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. This Mother's Day, Duluth Trading Co. can help you give her something that keeps up. Whether you prefer to shop online or in-store, Duluth has a motherload of gear, goods, and gifts to keep her comfortable and capable, no matter what needs doing. With Duluth's problem-solving details and legendary durability to boot, you'll finally be mom's favorite again. Check out DuluthTrading.com for all your Mother's Day gifting needs. Hello and welcome to the Blogcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. And a very warm welcome to season 10, where we're exploring the histories and mysteries of the British landscape. We'll be walking in ancient lands, unearthing forgotten myths, and even stumbling across a few chilling tales of the supernatural. And as ever, we'll be enjoying encounters with wonderful wildlife along the way. My name is Fergus Collins and I'm the host of this podcast. So welcome to episode five, an episode where I test my mettle with a day's walking with two old friends in the wilds of Assint in the far north of Scotland. The highlight of the day involved climbing a particularly formidable peak known as Sullivan, and this dramatic bastion looks out over a rugged landscape of locks, glens, crags and coast, and promised adventure, spectacular wildlife and tales of the dramatic history of the region. It also promised vertigo. A lot of vertigo. So I'm very grateful to my friends, historian Joel Burden and navigator and organiser of the expedition, Gavin Meredith, for the chat and entertainment along the way. So listen on for one of the most terrific days I've ever had in the British countryside. I hope you enjoy it too. It's a surprisingly bright, beautiful morning in the Highlands. And I'm walking along a rather broken track Beside gorse, a wild gorsey landscape, and then there's a, a very calm looking lock at the bottom of a valley, bottom of a glen, and beyond, layers of hills rise on top of each other until there's a most extraordinary lozenge shaped, sort of like a rocket, a peak, climbing into the cloud. And I'm aiming for that peak. It's called Sullivan. Sullivan. It, it looks it'll be the most impressive mountain I've ever climbed. Uh, so that's the mission for today, and I'm happily in bright sunshine at the moment. But I've got a lot of water on board, food, several layers, waterproofs, ready for anything, hopefully. And 
and uh, who knows, there might be eagles. There's certainly been lots of interesting life along the way. So there's sort of buttercups and orchids in the verges of this lane. So complete, completing the, this expedition are two of my old university chums, Joel. Hello. Gav. Hello. <laughs> and uh, Joel is our expedition historian, so we'll regale us with tales of <laughs> myths, legends and history. And Gav is our... What are you, Gav? <laughs> Sidekick? Gav's, Gav's our navigator. Sat Gav. Sat Gav. Are we calling it Sullivan? Sullivan. Sullivan. I think it's something. I think it's something approximating to Sullivan. Yes, but um, Sullivan, okay. it's obviously a Gaelic word. So happy to be corrected. But uh, for the purposes of this expedition into the wilds, along a tarmac track. Well, well, well <laughs> this is originally a Pictish yeah. track, wasn't it? Yeah? Was it Joel? This is I, no, I don't think so. That's very broken track. We're actually on a track to a hunting lodge. Oh, okay. um, so I think what actually happened was that this land was cleared and um, was uh, obviously in the hands of a wealthy family and was developed as a, as a lodge uh, for deer hunting. Oh, OK. Which probably explains why in Loch Inver, where we've come from, we keep on bumping into red deer wandering down High Street. Yeah, uh, probably safer. But it's owned by the community in the village. now. It's been, it's been um, the lodge is actually sort of uh, been acquired by the community. So I'm not quite sure. We'll, I guess we might see as we, when we get there exactly how it's used. But it's uh, it's no longer in private hands. So Satgav, um, how many miles have we got to walk till we actually reach the mountain? Um, how many hours are we going? I think it's about. Uh, Two hour walk in. Two hour walk to the mountain. Something like that. Yeah. Maybe a little longer. Yeah, the only thing about that means it's a two hour walk back. <laughs> well, if, if no my... pain, no gain. Yeah. No visual pain. I mean, yeah, look at that mountain. It's utterly beautiful. Yeah. It's lovely, isn't it? The brooding mountain in the clouds at the moment. And no other, nobody else around. We have the whole of this area to ourselves. So we've reached Glen. Canis Lodge. Right. And cross blackbirds. The navigators are poring over the map. Oh, I'm just following the Walking Highlands. Especially they'd read it. Yes, it's being, I'm being usurped by, uh, oh, right. by the, technology. The historians. Uh, <laughs> lots yeah, of very, very cross blackbirds. So what's so the sort of outlines of walls in the ground? Well, two or three feet high, a metre high. Like the outlines of the walls of a of a dwelling. Yeah, I think there was there was a village, uh, or some sort of hamlet or settlement um, close to the lodge. So this could be it. I'd, and essentially, what happened was in the or sort of around eighteen hundreds, sort of very early eighteen hundreds, the land was cleared by the um, by the land uh, owner, which was, it was I think it was the Sutherland family. At that stage, the, this area had been through hands of several families, but by that stage it was the Earls of Sutherland and essentially the people were kind of moved to the coastal forcibly areas removed, and, and, yeah. new, and new kind of villages were, were, were created so Loch Inver where we've come from is actually a kind of uh, modern village in a sense kind of created in the very early 1800s 
and the interior was, was, was cleared so that the land could be um, developed for sheep farming or in, I think in this instance, as I said earlier, um, uh, for deer. Um, deer lodge, a deer hunting So lodge, you do yeah. find as you, as you kind of come through these sort of areas, sometimes traces of, of lost villages there, and settlements Gav, really. Fewer people live in this landscape than, than there were 150 years ago. All these little tales, sad tales hidden in the landscape. So all these people coming back from, you know, sort of New Zealand and Canada and all these places with Scottish sort of Scottish heritage. Heritage, uh, you know, I think that, you know probably trace their families back to that kind of period. Um, so here we're passing through gates that are giant gates and fences are nine feet high, three meters high. Maybe yeah. a little less, eight, eight, eight feet, two meters. It's, uh, these are deer fences, I'm assuming, to keep, somehow, keep the deer off. Um, some of the precious, I don't know what, yeah, yeah. Needs a lot of the ground flora. There are a lot of orchids around, lots of, that looks like a wild marjoram or something, wild thyme, that is. Yeah, wild thyme. So it's quite impressive to see these massive fences cutting across the landscape to keep the deer at bay. Joel, you've done some research. How tall is this? I think it, no. So the biggest the biggest hills in Scotland are known as Munros. Quite a lot of Munros. This isn't one. It's not tall enough to be one. And this area of of, uh, of the Highlands, which is called um, Ascent, has several of these kind of hills, rather like. Sullivan, which are lone hills sticking up. Um, but I think, Gav probably knows this better than me, but I think there's only one hill in the whole area that actually counts as a... As a Munro, which a is Munro. a thousand metres. But to look at, you wouldn't believe it. Yeah, no, they look, they look very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> the heather is beginning to flower here, and there are little butterflies in the grass on the heather. Yeah, little skippery or argosy type butterflies and loads of orchids. It's a real sort of untamed area, isn't it? There's no farming up here, there's no settlements. What's this little dirt track? Yeah. Pretty much the only thing they've done is, is put a path down. It says purple and white heather in flower, just tufts of it greening so it's beginning to get its summer summer plumage as it were uh, what is that? Is that that's cotton grass it is, it is cotton. yeah lovely nodding sort of little silky parachutes caught in the grass much more definition as we get closer to the sylvan Um, but in the foreground there's some impressive great lumps of shoulders of rock barging out of the, out of the landscape. It's like a shadow in the sky, isn't it, really? Yes, yes, a sort of looming, sort of like a face, almost. Like forbidding. Yeah. Everything actually is going to be less forbidding when we get on top of it. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully there's a nice, easy path up the side of it. <laughs> there's, there's no obvious path on this northern face or eastern face. Ooh. Yeah, I was just thinking, I said, what are those? But they're bilberries, yeah. 
They just because they haven't been eaten by sheep. I don't recognise them. <laughs> They've got lovely long leaves. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if provide... we get lost in the wilderness for for a couple of months, yeah. If it, if it was uh, September, we, if, yeah, yeah. If we, we get we lost, maybe self-sufficient for a yeah. while. <laughs> We're lost in the wilderness till September. We'll have to find something to eat before then. It's beautiful little each other. <laughs> Short straw. So there's a huge caterpillar on the path here. I have to take a photo of that or Gav. I think that's an emperor moth caterpillar. It's actually massive. It must be eight or nine centimetres long. Yellowish sort of spots on its flanks and then dark greeny black lines. What a corker. So that's cookie food, yeah. They love a nice hairy caterpillar. <laughs> Lunch is served. Yeah, there we go. So we're not going to starve out here anyway. Might tickle in the throat as it goes down, but <coughs> not as bad as doing a COVID test. Hey, <laughs> uh, anyway, what's this little? Wait. So a little orange butterfly. Will it settle? It will settle. That is. Oh, that's a pearl. Small pearl bordered fritillary. That's an absolutely gorgeous creature. So it is largely orange, a sort of fiery orange with lines of patterned spots. Yeah, small pearl bordered fritillary. What a, what a joy. I mean, the thing is actually quite um, nice. Common as muck, but um, is actually the heather. Yeah, it's lovely. Because at this time of year, it really is just beginning to flower. Really pretty, and the slopes will go purple eventually once it's all in. But we've also seen all this. I mean, I don't know what that is, but it's got great sweeps of yellow as well. Um, oh, gorse. That's gorse. gorse. That's yeah, flowering yeah, yeah. gorse. Yeah. Okay. Um, a little burn. Just trickling out of the hill. Refreshing. Have you ever drunk from a Scottish burn, or do you not trust the? <laughs> not even yeah, the water up here. Have done, but um, yeah. you're not supposed to, really. Are you? It's a sad thing. It's, yeah. One suspects it slightly depends on which burn you choose. Yeah. Um, and I suspect that Robbie burn. Chinese <laughs> <laughs> <Have> burn. <laughs> you take your calcium <laughs> tablets <laughs> and whatever it is. It's yeah. uh, there's a yeah. tablet you can have, isn't there? That you can walk and buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you'd obviously drink it if you were desperate out in the wilds. It's a very sad thing that we can't trust our natural water supply almost anywhere in Britain. That's a pretty, uh, pretty bad state of affairs. On a positive note, yeah. Yes, why not? I've got a, I've got a can of amber ale <laughs> in the backpack in case we we're dying of thirst. Yeah, I forgot to put one. I'm quite glad I don't have the extra weight actually, but yeah, it's a nice. Good to have a sip before he does his Captain Oates thing. Yeah. <laughs> they never found Gav's body. <laughs> Just found an empty beer can. <laughs> the reason. It's the very fat golden eagle. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't <Yeah>. take off. <laughs> they could never work out why the three friends fell out. <laughs> Uh, we just crested a, a bluff, a little crag, and 
before us is a gorgeous little well, small river, a large burn, and this sort of sideways on to Sylvan now, and it's quite easy to see that I mean, it's impossible to climb this this lake. Are you sure it's climbable? You did With pack this. the ice sack and the, and the crampons, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> I've got crampons. But it does look a bit like the north face of the Eiger from here, doesn't it? Yeah, it's but, but harder. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's somewhere there's a path, a, a route where we won't need ropes, and because I'm not convinced at this stage that. I'm sorry to say there's no funicular. <laughs> oh. It's not as high as we think, so. Seven, so 720 metres. No, no we, we think it's 731. One is 731. Right. So it's not a Munro, which is the highest mountains in Scotland. Uh, we think 3,000 feet is a Munro. It's, a Munro, which is, well, it's, not, it's <laughs> not a Munro. Uh, but it has the appearance of one because it's all on its own. Yeah, it's a really And it rises buttress. up from, well, not too far off sea level, so it uh, has that appearance of being towering. Yeah. I really hope to see this would be an eagle haunted glen here. It's like the sort of Sugarloaf Mountain over Rio, isn't it, really? Yeah. But without the city below. We still seem to have got no Nero in it after a. There's <laughs> <laughs> light. See, see the sort of lines coming down. Yeah, the, the light's just catching it now. Yeah, beautiful. Just dappling, isn't I'm it? I'm actually trying to see clouds. if I can see. Uh, is there. Uh, can I see waterfall inside, or am I. Definitely erosion lines down the side, aren't there? There's and something kind of white there. It might be water, it might not be, yeah. I'm not sure. There's a very interesting kind of very horizontal Almost sort of like line, belt line. Li belt line. Yeah, it has that appearance, doesn't it? Yeah, it's as if it's, someone's tightened its midriff. <laughs> so I, I <laughs> Middle-aged spread. <laughs> I think it's created by... Um, yeah. well, what causes that? Is there it must be an erosion of a... Of a more I think a softer I, rock or something. I think I, I heard it's um, it's the, it's um, created by you know the, in the ice age it's sort of it's kind of eroded from the, I think presumably sort of glacial sort of stuff. Okay. Take, causing the sort of very steep sides and it's very old. Th th this Gav, here. you know this, don't you? It's sort of this. I'm the mountains here are the oldest in the. Oh, this part of Scotland I, has the yeah. oldest mountains in the, in the whole of the UK. Yeah. Some of I the oldest rocks in the world. Yeah. I have a feeling, yeah, that, um, I mean, it's a very special geological area from what I remember reading. I'm going to say Lewisian Gneiss. Yes. <laughs> but um, There's definitely Gneiss in there. There's Gneiss. <laughs> I had thought possibly it was caused by sort of, you know, like there were volcanic plugs, but it's not. It's not volcanic, right. It, it's, uh, it's glacial. This, this whole area was covered, obviously, in the Ice Age. Magnificent dry stone walls to our left here. A little bit crumbling, but pretty ancient looking. And um, signs of farming up here, then. I just love the way they're representative of thousands of hours of hard work. It, You've got to take incredible. your hats off to the people that... Yeah, those are big rocks. ...built them out here. That's a stone chat. That's a very handsome male stone chat. A sort of peachy, peachy breast, and really acute white cheeks, and a black head. It does sound a bit like a camera lens, doesn't it? Yeah. Just two pebbles being knocked together. 
So he's oh, wow. yeah. he's posing beautifully. It's an interesting mound behind with a single <laughs> solitary sta stone just perched atop yeah. it. You get these sort of random rocks dumped by glaciers. Yeah, yeah. So we've just paused. We've come. We're still looking at the flank of Sullivan and this couple of foothills to surmount. The path seems to be taking us on a wide circle around, perhaps to an easier approach. But in the foreground is a very reedy lochen. It's just exceptionally beautiful, reflecting a bit of the blue in the sky. And then there's a few pipits, meadow pipits. Yes, the mountain the, looks a, a little bit more benign in the sun. In fact, we are quite a lot closer to it now. The uh, expedition photographer is uh, capturing these precious scenes. Hopefully. It's inter I said it's interesting um, how the Gaelic is, is preserved in the landscape. Yeah, that's... so so you know the the actual speaking of Gaelic is quite I think limited uh, to particular in terms of you know people actively speaking it uh, in communities I think it's it's you know quite restricted and probably to a large extent now in the Outer Hebrides but the whole of the landscape of the Highlands is you know is essentially uh, preserves the Gaelic language in terms of the, the names of the locks, the mountains. They're beautiful words, so I, you know, do need a little bit of a lesson in how to speak you know, It's a challenge, isn't it? Yeah. If you're visiting, it's not quite clear always how to pronounce it. properly. Um, um, although, um, people will tell you if you ask uh, <laughs> in the village or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah. Well, they seem pretty happy to tell us, but... Um, it's, uh, and the road signs, lots of new road signs showing both Gaelic and English names for things, rather like in Wales, uh, where you get the dual, dual language. I, I mean, the, I think that, I mean, a lot of the names do reflect, you know, shapes, the stories, the legends or whatever, you know, yeah. there's a sort of, there's a sort of hidden magic in it. Yes, if you can actually sort of pause and find out. It, it opens a door to the, perhaps the way in which it was looked at in the past. And also, I'm saying Gaelic, which um, is Gaelic. Gaelic. I think Gaelic. Is Gaelic is Scottish. Gaelic, 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 Gaelic is Irish. Yeah. yeah. Gaelic. Um, yeah. So it means pillar in Norse. Sylvan means pillar. Okay. So this area was settled by the Vikings, Danes, whoever at some. Yeah, the, back in the sort of 10th, 9th, 10th century. Yeah, the Vikings were sort of all the way down, were around the top of Scotland, um, not Orkneys and Shetlands, but all the way down uh, the west of Scotland. And actually until 13th century, it was under the uh, control of Scandinavian kings. Um, really? So this part of Scotland so, was So this still... part of Scotland wasn't actually under the control of the kings of Scotland, it was under the control of... Oh of kings of uh, Denmark or Norway, I can't remember which, uh, until the 13th century. And there was a big battle and then the kings of Scotland got control of it. But then you then had the, the, the lordship of the Isles, which was a sort of semi-independent 
essentially kingdom which stretched all the way down the west coast included the Isle of Man and also um, parts of Northern Ireland and that was still that was still a Viking a Norse it was a, it was a sort of it was a it was a sort of Norse descendant kingship right and also it was one rather like I suppose the Viking way of life which was dominated by galleys or, or galleys sort of yeah long ships yeah so one of the things you'll notice if you come to the Highlands even today is that there's hardly any roads um, and in fact most of the roads that there are are relatively recent and they go back to the sort of time after the Jacobite risings when there was a desire to control the Highlands a little bit more so they put roads in um, prior to that people got around by boat much more I mean there were pathways and, and you know it's not that people didn't travel on land but it was a lot easier to get around by by boat so and all the good land was on the coast anyway presumably yeah so in, in fact it was in terms of a, a kingdom a kingdom that was sort of a, a connection of islands was quite a viable way of having a kingdom if you had a system that relied on yes. travel by boat rather than travel by land um, oh, interesting. Um, I, did, I didn't know that the vikings had survived quite as long as that well yeah descendants of but this is not bad Don't know what this is. Should be able to get binoculars on it though. It's on the other side of the lock. So we've located this bird now, and it's sitting inside like a little little nipple on on the of heather, and just making its funny little call. I'll be able to track it down what it is, but it's grey, like a uh, like a dove with a long bill. It's got a darker back, hasn't it? Yeah, might be a. Godwit, maybe the bill isn't long enough. I have to find out what birds nest up here and narrow it down. Could be a, a completely new species. How exciting! Looks like a, a, a nest, right? Isn't it? Yeah, it could be sitting on. It's a funny little prominent sites, and, and normally they don't call if they're on a nest because they don't want to draw attention to themselves. Not a snipe or anything. No, it's too. too uh, the coloration's wrong. That's got a long bill, though, hasn't it? Yeah. I will be able to work that out. And just along from that other way, there's now a sandpiper. I think this is a green sandpiper. Uh, just in a boggy margin of uh, this lochen. We're just uh, we're just on a on a bridge here. This is the song of the Highlands. And our route now turns towards Sullivan properly. We've been going an hour and a half, maybe two hours already. So we're, we're struggling yeah, with the map, but the we're going to go we're taking the right fork. It doesn't say where you, where you leave this bit. No, but this looks like a walker's path properly maintained and it's heading more towards the mountain. Fingers crossed. I Think. suppose this is the ascent, the start of the, the start ascent, of the big climb. Yeah. So 700 metres up 
we go. Probably up and down a bit. But mostly up. Sullivan, here we come. So we've done the first smidge of the ascent. Really is quite a daunting climb ahead. But down the down the glen here is a lovely lock. Lock the game. Beautiful lock glittering in the sunshine. But we've got we've got like a a hill in the foreground which would be like, yeah, that's a tough little climb, and then beyond that is just it looks like a sheer wall. And there's a skeleton of a, stru- a tree stump here. Oh, yeah. Very like a giant spider, bleached by the Scottish sun. So it's not that bleached. It's like an elephant's vertebra. Ah, oh, so we've just been up an endless flight of stairs, but we're not even tackling the main mountain yet. As you can tell, it's quite strenuous on my ancient body, but uh, there's just two of us left now. <laughs> no, Joel is just behind somewhere. Uh, everyone's got to take it at their own pace. Gav being the youngest. Just forging on. We just go straight up there then. It looks like we just go straight up the middle there. Yeah, yeah. Holy and behind heck. us, just peeking over the... That ridge behind you can see Quinag. Quinag, is that the first one? The dark? Uh, it's a series of peaks. Is it? Oh, Quinag. Yeah. Now that's eagle territory. Uh, yeah, I think there's yeah. four peaks of it. Fewer eagles here, aren't there? Well, I can't see any eagles. No. My life sure they... quest. Yeah, they must hunt over I'm here. I'm sure they get out this far, yeah. Yeah. Although what they eat, I mean, I guess there's mountain hares and deer and things that we just haven't seen here, but... I can see there where the the other track snakes up towards Crisp. Yeah. Oh. Joel, John's just aged five years. <laughs> Looking good. Looking good for a man twice your age. Oh, a massive, a massive ground beetle scuttles across the path. Uh, so we get round this lock, about a quarter of a mile, and then the final ascent of ascent. The final ascent. Can we make that pun? Does it work? Yeah. No, first no. warning. I okay, think. okay. Uh, this will test our hearts out a bit. Hearts and lungs and thighs and knees, ankles. I hope we can do it in stages. Quite daunting actually. Because it's a long, long walk up here. Yeah, so here we are at the foot of the last big climb. I wonder how long it'll take us to get up. Uh, I'm going to say it might depend on who we're talking about. 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, maybe 20, 20 minutes. 20, 30. Yeah. yeah. So we're climbing a little bit into the sun. Now we're beginning to go up. I'm going to turn off for now. And I'm going to see you at the top. You've broken the back of it. Yeah. So about three quarters of the way up of this climb. Yeah, no worries. I'm looking down onto a landscape of no trees, just locks, crags, 
rumbling, rolling landscape. Occasional bothies and peaks of quinag in the distance. How are you feeling, Gav? <laughs> I can speak. You can speak. So that's positive. Joel, any words for the listeners at this stage? Perseverance, I think it's the word. Perseverance, yeah. It's a sort of... Perseverance in the face of extreme adversity. <laughs> yeah, I must admit, it was very daunting at the bottom, uh, at the first couple hundred metres. But Gavin and I have been having a fairly jolly chat climbing up here, and it's got easier somehow. That's the key, isn't it? Yeah, just got easier. And, um, you know, it is a precipitous drop below me and I'm, I'm not brilliant with heights, so it's quite uh, looking right down. But we just passed a lovely couple who, with their dog who left about an hour earlier than us and they're on their way down. And they're almost at the bottom already, so it's quite quick going down. But we plough on and we're getting to the saddle. There's a sort of rock chimney above us. Just great crags, which, and there are wrens singing up here. Of all the mountain birds there could be, there's wrens. Bless them. Just climbing around this rocky pillar. Someone scratched. Into the rock here. Aaron. 49 on 6. Yeah. Oh, the 9th, 16. Yes. Oh, wow, what a rock. Ooh. Makes me feel quite funny, actually. There we go. That's, that's weird. I've got this weird, vertiginous feeling. Oh. Yeah, there's just a rock that sticks out. Oh, amazing. It just hangs over the valley, the glen. Just looking at it gives me strange feelings in my lower abdomen. A crow. That's a raven. Is it? Yeah. Just above our heads. Is that? Where is he? Oh, yeah, they're nearly. Yeah, I can see the shadow keeps coming over me. Oh, yeah. Ravens on the peak here. Or black eagles. I think. Coming up the last set of beautifully made steps. Who made these steps? They're incredible. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Right on a precipitous wedge. Oh my word. View out to sea. It's incredible. There's still a climb out to the very highest point of Sylvan. There is a ring oozles. Ring oozles above me. Absolutely incredible. Two ring oozles right at the top of Sullivan. I can't believe how lucky I am there. Oh, it's just such a big drop down, it's going to be tremendously difficult to come down. So we're on the saddle here, we've made it, so there's, there's another 15 minute climb, what do you reckon? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I'd say. Looks pretty precipitous, I, I definitely felt a little bit vertiginous when I arrived here and saw that it just dropped down the other side. But I mean we can see yeah. in both directions now, which is yeah. the first time that's been possible. 
and there's just this stack stack poly which is a sort of sawn off snapped off looking mountain so that's loads of other peaks straight ahead with yeah. uh, it looks like a castle on top of a, of a, of a hill. yeah that's a good description it's um and then the summer isles are out in the beyond the peninsula what peninsula is this one gav then this is I'm not sure. Well, that peninsula over there is, on the other side of it is Achiltibui. Achiltibui. All of Ascent here, really. Yeah, Ascent, which is a sort of, is it a kingdom? What, what is Ascent? Just a region. It's a parish. A parish, a parish of Ascent. So that's one parish, the whole of that. Oh. Um, it was the land of the Macleods for a while, and then the Mackenzies. Um, Look at these ravens on the edge of the cliff here, just hanging over the valley, no vertigo there. Feels like we're on top of the world, but we're not, we're not near the summit yet. Right. We've done, yeah. we, let's, we've let's done four fifths. I think we should do that wall at least. Okay, um, let's go to the wall. Um, so there is a man-made wall up, up here, it's unbelievable. It's incredible. Yeah. Most improbable wall in the world. Yeah, um, improbable wall. <laughs> Shelter of this wall. Shelter? Yeah. Okay, so what's, what's the story of the wall? Why is there a wall on top of Sullivan? Well, I don't know, this, this which, is the thing, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a mystery, but, um, I mean, how many walls would you say we've seen in the last 10k? Not many. So we've got all this way, yeah. and then we've got right on top of the mountain, and then there's this enormous wall. Which sort of drops down precipitously. Perfectly built. I can barely bring myself to look upon it, it's so... Um, mm, perfectly very built. Well built. Hard, hard to think of a better wall mm. on top of a mountain. So there's a story that it's... Um, it's a famine wall, which was essentially it was it, it was a project to keep people busy during the potato famine. Potato famine. Well, Why on earth you'd actually decide to put it on top of a mountain? Well, it's <laughs> seems hard like, enough getting up. Seems here. like an act of cruelty. That's <laughs> um, one of the meanest um, things I've ever heard. Whether that's true or not, it's really <laughs> providing um, us with an amazing windbreak. That would have been the 1840s, if that's if that's right. Um, in the very far, far distance, you can see this flash of green, which is about the only obviously cultivated piece of land. In yeah, in the whole... As far as you can see. Yeah, it's totally wild and rugged and untamable. I suspect there were lots of crofts down there, and if you look carefully, you might see this odd, odd uh, little bit of wall or... It doesn't seem to be much. Well, magazine. Yeah. All right. So, uh, how's, how's your climb been? Great. Yeah. Quite challenging for me, but. I'm yeah, well, challenging for me, definitely. That's why I'm <laughs> sitting here. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Eating, well, eating crisps. Have <laughs> yes. you been to the top? Not yet. No, no, no. Yeah. Saving that. Saving that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wee bit less windy here, so we've sort of. Yeah. Yeah, we had lunch at yeah. You had lunch at the top, yeah. did you? No, no, no. Oh. Came down yeah. behind a rock face, so perfect. Very sensible. Lovely. Okay. Well, enjoy the descent. Thank you. We're about to make the final ascent. Your camera boat. The very final ascent. There's been lots of final ascents today, but this is definitely the last <laughs> one to the very peak of Sullivan. Oh dear. It's I've definitely got vertigo. Bit of an open stretch to relax on up here. There's narrow little paths. And there's no danger. It's just a long old, a long old scramble. There's one more big, big climb up. I think it's a sense of 
the land falling away on all sides. That is the most sort of, I find quite frightening. Uh, I don't think, I've never climbed a mountain like this before. So, um, it will be quite an achievement for me to get there in the end. Another one! <laughs> Can't believe it. Full summit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. At the top, I had to conquer a few demons there. Oh, the view is incredible, but my stomach is somersaulting. Anyway, it's so beautiful. So many mountains, so many locks. Oh, it's, uh, sorry about the wind. It's done it. Well, this is it. it. Yeah. Oh. That was... Congratulations. How are you feeling? I'm not too bad. Yeah, you've done all right. Got a uh, spring in my step. Um, yeah, I'm just sort of clinging to the top of the mountain now with a sort of... I'm very grateful that it's all solid rock. As you can feel, it's a strong breeze, so... I'm not going to record for very long because it won't be very nice to hear, but... Sullivan. Sullivan. Swilven. You're not that difficult. <laughs> it's an interesting... Well, I reckon we can see a good 20 miles in each direction. Oh, at least, easily. at least, yeah. 40, maybe. A bit hazy in the distance. But yeah, and what's the weather like but here? But you take that. It's not too bad, is it? No, no, it's okay. climbed, it's started to climb over a little bit. Yeah. So we'll probably not stay up here. Hello. Oh, oh dreadful, dreadful. What, uh, what made me, what made us come up here? Bye bye, safe journey down. Is Joel okay? I know he's feeling I a little... so, yeah, he wasn't that far behind me. No. Welcome to the top. How do you feel? Good. Leg weary? Leg weary, all right. Yeah, you get even better view probably actually. At the end, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure I can go up there. I'm feeling a bit sort of. Yeah, I think it'll be kinned. less hairy than what we've just been over. Yeah, sure. That was the hairiest of the hairy. Oh, so. We clambered down off the top of the. of Sullivan. And it was a long little journey down. But I felt a lot easier on the way back. Just found a little shelter beside a cleft in the rocks because. The weather is closing in now, it's quite windy, so I haven't been able to record. Uh, we're quite tired, we've got about um, just by a little lock and again at the foot of at the foot of Sullivan. Sullivan. Um, yes, my thighs are absolutely screaming in pain and my feet hurt a little bit. I don't feel too bad, but um, I'm glad I conquered it, went to the top. Would have been a shame not to have made it, but I did feel Seriously, uh, yeah, a bit scared, I think. It's difficult, a bit of vertigo, which I haven't really had before. Anyway, down the bottom, we've got about five or six miles. The lads have gone on ahead of me. And the wind's just died down a bit, so I can see our path. We're still quite high up at the moment, but I can see our path snaking away across locks and alongside locks and through uh, sort of heathery, rushy landscape down in the Glen, Glen Canisp. And... Um, so we are just making a shallow descent. Uh, yeah, probably got about two, two and a half hours walk back to the car. So, you know, I've, 
I've done more than I normally would on any walk. But I think I think we've earned ourselves a wee dram or two in the bar in Lochinver. Should we do a little while the wind's satisfying day? Thank you, Gav, for bringing us here. We're just sitting by a little waterfall on this Canis River can what's this? We don't know what this river is. I don't know. Yeah. How, how are you all feeling? Uh, <laughs> it's how my knee's going to feel when I stand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. The problem. Probably seized up after a quick pit stop. Pit stop. An, yeah. an apple and a beer, which is the perfect rule. Perfect reward. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I think there may be some more drink taken later. <laughs> well, amazing. Well, I feel like oh, looking back and we climbed that peak. Yeah. So, <laughs> it does look pretty staggering. And to be on top of that, it's a great sense of achievement. Satisfying. Quite glad to be back down on the bottom. It's another hour's walk and then we're done. I think so, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well over and out. And then a hot bath and <laughs> massage. Nice meal. <laughs> <laughs> so that wasn't the end of the adventure. But it was such an absolutely wonderful days, a wonderful day out in the mountains and something I've never done before, just climbing tall peak and spending it with two really good friends. So I'm really grateful to my good old friends, Joel and Gav, for such a brilliant day out. And I hope they listen to this and enjoy it too. Um, just a couple of things, a couple of cl- corrections and clarifications. Obviously, we have a few of those sometimes. Listening back to the recording, I realise when I get to the top, or not quite the top of Sulvan, the mountain that we climbed, I saw two birds, which were ring oozles. I got very overexcited, as you've just heard. But I didn't tell you what they are. They're actually little mountain blackbirds, a little bit smaller than the blackbirds we have in our garden. They're not terribly common, but one way to recognise them is they have these white bibs, and they're really beautiful and quite rare now in Britain, and they only come for the summer. So they're sort of summer mountain blackbirds, and I haven't seen them for years. So forgive my excitement, but that gives you a bit more context of why they're special. And we also, on the way to Sullivan, we captured that bird, that rather persistent but sort of evocative bird, uh, which we couldn't recognise, that bird song. It was, I think, a greenshank, which is a wader. Long legs, long beak, and normally you see them in marshes and wetlands, but this one was breeding up on the mountain. So that was a really memorable moment. And obviously the biggest thing I encountered was (laughs) a bout of vertigo. Quite a challenging moment to find that your body and your mind is letting you down a bit and you want to get to the top of the peak. But yeah, a, a completely exciting, thrilling day out. And talking of exciting and thrilling, I'm joined again in the podcast studio by my very good friends, podcast producer Jack Bateman and podcast advisor, editor Hannah Tribe. Hello, chaps. Lovely to see you. Hello. Hello. So have you... I mean, I, that whole experience was, was as you know, it was quite, uh, quite scary. Have you ever been somewhere that gives you the sort of, physically, you feel frightened? I mean, have you, have you climbed somewhere or been underwater? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not scared of heights, but there's been a few times where I've been up high and my body seems scared of heights rather than me as a person. I remember I've done a I've done a few mountains and I especially remember uh, I went up the Eiffel Tower once and uh, was up the top of there and I could go near near to the edge. I wasn't afraid to go to the edge or look over the side, 
but my legs just immediately started shaking. So I don't know whether it's just I've managed to conquer the mind over matter thing. And in my mind, I'm like, I, I don't need to worry, but my body's still worrying. But I, it was so, so strange. So I'm not scared, but I've my body's felt scared, I think. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. How about you, Hannah? Have you? I absolutely love heights. I really, really love being up high and there being a big gap. I think it's from growing up on like around cliffs and climbing loads of trees and stuff. Like I just, I cannot be high enough. You're pretty fearless, actually. Yeah, uh, admirable. I, I found just the climbing up into a, like a void with, and you could, it was 40 miles in all directions you could see, but straight down. It literally was, if you slipped, it's a long way to tumble down to. My my brain doesn't like um, process the space that's there. It doesn't feel like it's hollow. It just feels like a continuation of the space. So I've never, never, ever felt frightened of even really, really like narrow ledges. It's like it's, I have no concept of it being frightening. I think there's something missing in my brain that is making you like well, this. Well, I wish it had been missing in my brain. I really did enjoy it. And I think <laughs> I think I would tackle uh, I think it would be easier next time. But that's, uh, maybe you can teach me how to how to not be scared of myself. <laughs> but I defy anyone. You know, it's, it's a really steep climb. I mean, you're not quite on your hands and knees, but it feels vertical. And then you just keep going up and there's you think you've got to the summit. And then there's another summit. And then there's another summit. And there's that sort of sinking feeling of you've got to put yourself through another like walking along a narrow ledge to get to the next safe bit with just sheer drop each side and these ravens swirling around it's sort of yeah um well hopefully when we can all gather together we can go and do some scary stuff that would be fun out in the countryside <laughs> so we have well we have a, a a few things to get through today we've got some we've got some some reviews we've got some comment and we've got a sound of the week so Hannah, would you like to? So I've got a particularly lovely review from Little Bevy, and they've given us five stars, so you know it's going to be good. Thank you, Little Bevy. Just like a pair of the best walking boots, this podcast just gets better and better with age. The podcast team brilliantly bring the countryside to life, be it nature, the landscape, or the history. The thought that goes into choosing the subject matter and how best to present it is obvious. The varied presenters are all superb and are so warm and engaging that they almost feel like family. I never fail to be enthralled, educated or motivated. An essential part of your countryside kit. Do not head to the hills or your armchair without this podcast. Thank you, Mother. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is so lovely. And... um, Thank you, little Bevy B. Uh, that's one of the nicest things anyone's ever written about the podcast. And, um, well, it just warms the cockles and gives us more encouragement to keep going and think about what you've written and, and try and keep up to those sort of heady expectations. Now, I, as a counter to that, because we don't always talk about the really um, positive review, we've got a three-star review from... Someone who I think it is Snowdrop Eleven, but it's Sun W Drop Eleven. But we'll we'll go with Snowdrop Eleven. This is also on Apple Podcasts, and they say, "I don't mind the ads at the beginning, but after listening to the sound escapes and Hannah saying, I hope you're feeling relaxed.' Now then comes the ad, jolting you back to reality. 
and they are never relaxing, easy listening ads. Always loud. I do enjoy the sound escapes apart from this, so thank you. So that's a really interesting point from Snowdrop11. Um, we love Hannah's sound escapes. They're brilliant. They are really relaxing. But of course, there are ads because these are podcasts. You get them for free, but there are adver- there's advertising that goes with them. And we've thought a lot about it. And you know, the, the advert at the end obviously does bring you back into reality. So it's something we'll look at. We don't want to shock people back into a rude existence, having just sent you off into a lovely part of the countryside with some beautiful natural sounds. The uh, adverts especially help benefit the podcast. So by listening to them, you are sort of directly supporting us and the podcast going forward, which we massively appreciate. From soothing sounds to extraordinary sounds. Jack, I think you've got sound of the week. I have indeed. I've delved through the podcast post bag and I have found a sound of the week from Craig Campbell and he's from Australia and he has sent us a sound clip of the butcher birds that live just across the course at their house. Uh, He said they sit on the balcony and sing followed by a lot of smiley faces so I think we're in in for a treat here. Extraordinary. Absolutely. Doesn't that sound just like a squeaky gate? I was about to say that is a squeaky gate. If I, I think yeah. like a squeaky cathedral door. Because there's that sort of deep... <laughs> your... eh, I don't know. It's... Un... Baroque imagination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe. Um, it's so... It's unlike anything we have in Britain, with, with the possible exception of, like, long-eared owls at night or something like that. But that is just an extraordinary deep resonance of musical instrument but what a bird butcher birds as well i'm i'm don't know about butcher birds so it sounds like they might be fairly nefarious creatures <laughs> up to no good um really meaty song yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um yellow calf jack bateman thank you craig brilliant to hear that and obviously in australia he's in he's in queensland you're um you're just experiencing spring where we're just heading into autumn back in the uk so um you're getting all your lovely bird song and just as we're sort of losing most of ours we've probably got a few robins singing so yeah the robins have started and it's beginning to sound like autumn it's sort of got that cold feeling coming yeah, back yeah we're, we're recording this on the very last day of august so it definitely feels like we're betwixt summer and autumn and the robins singing isn't it the end of meteorological summer today. I think you might be right. We're, we're, we're clinging on to summer as best we can. But um, definitely it's autumn surging in. As I look out of the window, the trees are gilded, goldening up, whatever the word is. And, and there's just that sense of change coming. So it's nice to think of spring in Australia. May it be a good one. So I think that's it for this week. But before we go, we should say a big thanks to Hannah for climbing out of her sick bed and coming to <laughs> to speak on the podcast because she's not been very well for the past week but hopefully next week I'm just clinging on I will be here next week fantastic so thank you both and thank you for listening and join us again for the Countryfire podcast next week goodbye <laughs>